0: Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Welcome to Rock That Relationship. And Tracy and I are here with you today with another great episode about healing in our entire season three of talking about healing, particularly from uh, relationships and breakups. And today we're actually going to be talking about reclaiming and recreating your identity after a breakup as part of the healing process. So we have a few things we're going to address today. There's a lot of parts about recreating your identity, but here are some of the ones that we hear most often and want to have an opportunity to talk through them. And just like Every episode, we're gonna share things that work for us we'll share things that didn't work for us and there's gonna be other things that you may find that might work for you as well as you're looking to heal through reclaiming and recreating your identity. So let's get us kicked off with um, the first one. I'm actually gonna gonna uh, toss this one over to Tracy to start us out with is you know a lot of times when people go through a breakup and you know then they're trying to heal, they start to form new habits. Uh, mm-hmm. And and that's a way of healing, right? Is you do things maybe sure. differently than you did when you were in the relationship. Tell us a little bit about how you, uh, your habits might've changed after a breakup. Well, I think th- for me,
1: it's consistent across the board. I actually went back to all my original habits, how like I was before those relationships and where I was happy. In fact, um, I went out the other night and a friend was saying that I look really happy and I seem you know she's surprised at all the kind of stuff that I'm doing and the way that I'm acting in public and I said you know that's actually pre two or three relationships ago tracy like that is the person that I was before I kind of adopted other people's habits and I have a bad habit of adopting other people's habits when I get into a relationship <laughs> with them so when I get out I'm like whoa I'm free I'm going back to tracy that's pre relationship tracy and I think that that's how I going forward, you know, this is part of my healing journey this year. It's like, how do I go forward and have a relationship and not let that subsume my identity? You know, I mean, I don't know if that's your thing or you're like, I want a whole new slate. I'm going to make myself into a new person.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, because you've got, Part part of me is like, yes, I want to go back to the, to some of the habits that I liked. For instance, you know, I've had different relationships where people I've been with have certain dietary restrictions. So I've been eating a certain way for a long time. And it's like, yeah. now we're not together. Well, heck with that. I'm just going to binge that type of food all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, So part of it is going back. Um, but part of it, it might be like, in some sense, forming new habits that I didn't, I didn't have before um, that might be everything from like, you know, I had, I used to watch a lot of television, uh, pre-relationships, during relationships. And for whatever reason, um, since my last breakup, I hardly watch TV at all. Um, my new habit is filling my time with writing. And so that's something that is like a new habit. And it's not in spite of a relationship, it just formed out of like a new interest that I had to do. So it's a habit that I, instead of turning on a television, I would often just sit down now and write.
1: Well, I find that annoying because um, I like to talk about TV shows and you are not watching as many as I'd like you to watch. Well, and you watch like a and
0: million. You're like,
1: did you watch this special? <laughs> and
0: did you watch this documentary? And then yeah. did you know that there's a season 29 of Love is Blind? And like, And I'm like on season one, like, no, no, I don't know. I mean, exactly. So for our friend relationship, I think you have a little
1: catch-up work to do. Oh, so I need to
0: take on your habits of (laughs) binging TV. That will
1: really help us in the off times. That'll help help your healing
0: process for (laughs) me to watch television. Exactly. I see. see that's,
1: that's, I think that that's something interesting, right? Because even in friendships, you, you have to maintain, I mean, do you like that? Or do you want to go back to more TV watching? Like this new, I'm going to write, I'm going to be, I mean, you're the most productive person I have ever met in my life. So is that, that's pleasurable to you? Is that what you want? Like, yes. have you sat down, thought about that?
0: <laughs> yes. You know, you know, my, my mom had said to me one time, she goes, can you, you just want to, you know, sit down and relax And I looked at her like, I don't, I don't know what those words actually mean because like just chilling out in front of the TV. I mean, I do watch some TV before I go to bed, but like just sitting and not like producing is just very, very uncomfortable for me. So, (laughs) so I found that actually I'm probably not going to go back to just like chilling out in front of the TV. I'm going to probably do more things that feel both pleasurable and productive, like something like writing. Well, and that's interesting for me, um, like the
1: TV stuff that. I think that's a pre relationship thing too, because I love it. I love it. And for me, it's like, I'm watching relationships. I feel like I'm in a relationship with these people. I feel like I'm knowing them. I, even if it's a drama or it's a, you know, reality show, I feel like I'm not a stupid one, but a good one, like love is blind where I feel like I know the people and I know it's actually helping me. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before I was a cop And so I love to observe people. I love to observe their behavior. And for me, like TV is an extension of that. It's a window into that, which then helps me in all these other aspects, including doing this podcast, you know, it gives me true insight. So for me, that's so pleasurable.
0: Right. Well, and that's interesting because, you know, this this episode is really about identity too. And I Mm -hmm. think of the art of writing as a hobby versus the the identity mm. of writer as who I am. Mm. And I feel like part of my reclaiming of my identity is identifying, I've, I've been a writer for a very long time and an author. I've written many books and, and things, but really, really identifying as a writer. Like I attend mm. writing groups several times a week. I'm part of the Authors Guild. Um, I go to the Festival of Books and I identify as a writer and that, well, again, I've engaged in writing. It wasn't until after the breakup that I just leaned into mm. that identity. And when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a professor and I'm a writer and I'm a speaker. Um, and so that to me is part of like a reclaiming of my identity.
1: Well, that's incredible. I like that. Mine is being a pickleballer. Pickleball, hiking. I'm just living for fun. I've been called a perpetual teenager before. And guess what? I love it.
0: So I'm going to live
1: like that. That's, you know? fun,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. let's, let's talk about some other ways that people reclaim their identity. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people will do is say, well, I'm going to go get a new look and I'm going to like, you know, get a haircut or I'm going to get contact lenses or I'm going to be hot right, right? or lose weight. Cause I want to like in whatever, in, in, enhance physical appearance in their own mind. Maybe that's for themselves or maybe that's to like go out and date or whatever the case may be. But, um, in my case, I'll tell you, mine had nothing to do with dating, actually. My, mine was, so I, ever since I've been like a kid, I've never been a big tank top person. I don't, I don't look right in tank tops. And so I, um, I decided after the breakup, I was just going to start wearing tank tops. And I was around all these people who didn't know that I wasn't a tank topper. Is that even a word? Is that an identity? Yeah, it should be tank topper. I'm going (laughs) to put in the dictionary. Um, but I never, I never felt comfortable. I don't know why I never felt comfortable. And so I was like, I'm just going to start wearing tank tops all the time. And my breakup was, you know, in the summertime, it was hot and I was like, Oh, cool. So I wore tank tops everywhere. And then almost everybody just only knows me as wearing a tank top when it's hot. And I, and for me, it was like, yeah, I'm a tank topper. And I don't know what it was about something as small as that. It was never that anybody I was with said you can't pull off a tank right. top. And that was I'm my glad, question. Yeah, yeah, it was just more like I'm just going to do something that I've always told myself that hmm. like, eh, nah, I can't. You know, I don't want to Do you pull think
1: a tank in off. these past relationships you were worried that they would also say, mm, "You just don't look quite right in a tank top," so you kind of just didn't do it?
0: I don't know. I I think it was hmm. more my own self-consciousness that I was just hmm. holding my own self back and and then it was like I was like free of the relationship. So I was free of, I had, I was free of inhibitions on other levels too. And, and mm-hmm. the inhibition of saying, you know, I don't want to like show my shoulders. Like it was like, I don't right. care. I'm going to be me in all ways. And so I just went out and I went to Goodwill and I bought like 20 tank tops, which by the way, Goodwill has a ton of really good ones for cheap. And I found all tank tops in every color and I just rotated mm-hmm. them out.
1: Well, that's good to know. I'm never going to buy used clothing, but thanks for that tip. Um, I, <laughs>
0: you would rather buy I, 20 pairs of the same yes, pair of shorts from package
1: that nobody has put on their body before. Oh and goodness. I only order them online so that even people oh, haven't goodness. put them on in a dressing room. Oh, um, okay, wait, I want to go back to this, this thing about appearance, right? So it's, it's it has several different aspects for changing your appearance. One is to make that person who you broke up with regret that you guys had a breakup because you're like, now I'm hotter, now look at me, I look so much better. And part of it is peacocking for the next relationship, right? You need to get yourself out there, you need to be looking good. And I think that those are important. And I think that it actually helps you to move on from a relationship and to not be, you know, stuck. Because if you take on, oh, this relationship failed, that means I'm no good. I don't look good. I'm just going to go into sink into a pit of despair, right? Like, yeah, I think that stuff is crucial. Some people may say, oh, that's so vain, but who cares? You know, vanity runs the world. Like it makes you feel better. And when you feel better, you're going to be out there doing the things that you want to do that are then, you know, going to, what do you call it? Like not roller coaster, but they keep adding on to each other. Like, if you feel good about yourself, how you look, you're going to go out and you're going to do a new thing, a, a sport or something. Um, and that's going to improve your self-esteem. And all these things are going to just piggyback on top of each other. That's what I'm trying to say, piggyback, you know?
0: Right. Well, and your your appearance is, for me, it's less about, I don't know, whatever looking good is like by the eye of the beholder, but more about feeling authentic in yourself. I remember you and I and a couple of friends went to a basketball game the other night. And you said, I can't believe you're wearing track pants to mm-hmm. the basketball game. I'm thinking, well, you know, the, the basketball players are wearing track <laughs> pants. Why can't I wear track pants? And you said, you should look nicer. And I was like, but to me, that was myself. That was who I am. And our other friend said, you know, hey, that's like sporty spice. That's how she shows up in this world. And and, and it was like, that's to me, that was looking good, you know, like, because I felt the most me right. that I felt when I wear those pants. Well, I have been mocked
1: mercilessly by my exes and my friends having worn track suits in the 90s and they're like never again and my old partner just sent me a video of me in a track suit
0: and I'll never do it again well let me, let me be never clear never I was not track suit okay I was wearing track <laughs> pants the pants, and a pullover with a fleece but if I no, if I have a track suit that that I don't know maybe maybe you will say something to me please please say something um <laughs> all right all right moving so Let's look at some other things around identities. Um, You know, we talk about when, um, you know, particularly after a breakup, one of the ways to heal is, you know, and reclaiming your identity is reclaiming your community. And we've talked a lot about the importance of going out and making new friends as a form of healing, but really um, creating community is something that's just a little bit different rather than just making friends. It's finding your place that isn't necessarily where you were when you were in the Mm -hmm. relationship. So, Um, Tracy, what has been your experience in kind of finding community after a breakup?
1: Well, let's just, so I have had two breakups, you know, in the last two years, right? The breakup of my marriage. And in that marriage, I was in a very suburban, kind of straight world. And so I didn't feel that I belonged a lot of the time. I mean, I made it work, um, but it wasn't my way of being as a person in the world, And so when I got out of the marriage, I started to do more things. That's how I met you. That's how I met a bunch of friends I have now, where I started to go out and do more urban things that I had wanted to do more, you know, like gay activities, like, you know, these get togethers, these big dances and things like that. They weren't always within my comfort zone, but it allowed me to meet people. And after the second breakup, the most recent breakup, you were instrumental in helping me to um, stay put. I wanted to run I wanted to just sell my house and go and you were like look just sit here you know you kept urging me to go out you kept t- telling me inviting me I mean I was kind of like a crank and you know yes. 10 months of a total crank and I want to go but I needed to do that I needed to be sort of isolated but Had I not had you inviting me, urging me, telling me, just go for the socializing, just go for this, just go for a little bit, just, you know, you can meet new people. I mean, that was huge for me. And I mean, radically, I think you can hear the difference in me from the beginning of our, you know, podcast to now, like I have gone through a 10 month journey of, I mean, extraordinary pain and not wanting to do anything and just being so like down to now being super happy again, super excited to go out. And as you know, we have a group of friends and, and our friend recently tore her ACL and the other friends helped her with everything they helped. And that includes us. They helped her, you know, with bathing, they helped her with getting to and from the hospital. They helped her with dog care. They helped her with getting groceries. And I think that we all need to have that as, as we're in this world, you know, and I like to joke about my house, I'm gonna, you know, it's just a townhouse, but I'm gonna add a bathroom and a bedroom one day. And I want it to be a golden girl's house, because I think that as we um age, especially we community is vital, it is vital for our mental health. It's vital for our physical health. I think that isolation, loneliness, that's they're just that they're not good things,
0: you know? Right. Right. Well, and again, going back to this idea of reclaiming identity. You know, I, after, uh, one of my breakups, a couple, couple breakups ago, um, I, uh, immediately joined meetup and I absolutely love meetup. And I, um, went on a hike probably three weeks after the breakup. And I met, I met some friends and I got connected and eventually ended up meeting somebody at meetup that I ended up in a relationship with for a very long time. Um, although that wasn't my goal for going to the meetup, but I I found this community. And the, the lovely thing about meetup is that, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people in any one meetup and different people will come to different events. So over the past, you know, I, I joined in nine years ago, over the past nine years, different people have come in and out, but I've been able to maintain friendships with different people, even if they're not active in the meetup. But it seems that somewhere in around the August, September time period of of 2021, there were just a whole new slew of people coming out to the meetups. And I'm not sure if it was the rotation of the lesbian seven-year itch when people are finally okay. single or what okay. the case was. But people were coming out and I started actually planning events. And I'd always I planned. I've been an organizer since almost I joined Meetup, but I didn't plan as many events as I did in fall of 21. And I was planning, I mean, a hike after hike and walks and this and that. And the joke was, and, and people have referred to me, this is the lesbian docent of Tucson is that, you know, everybody who comes, I meet you, I get your number, not to date you or anything, but I get your number. I get you connected. I try to, you know, plan events and get people to come. And my goal was to bring together community. So, my identity wasn't just joining a community. My identity was being a really critical part of forming community, especially for people who might've felt isolated and alone is part of my identity was like, let's all be together because my philosophy was you should never have to go to an event alone if you don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. And so that to me was a really strong identifying factor. And I mean, even to the point where two days ago I had an event and there were, there were new people at the event and it was like, hi, welcome, come back. Um, and, and so for me, that was a really strong identity formation.
1: Well, and honestly, I think you've been a leader organizer since you came out of the womb. Let's just be clear. <laughs> And maybe you've done it in different ways over the decades. But right now, you are this person who really brings people together. And, you know, our friend circle, those were people I met on the Her app as just friends. I was very clear. I'm not interested in dating. Like, I just want to make friends. And I i brought three of them to that hike. And now we're all friends, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it's like that piggybacking or you light a candle. And, you know, by lighting another candle, it doesn't diminish that first candle's light. It spreads the light. And, you know, I have one friend and I'm going to bring her to this group of friends. And now she's got more friends and everybody within that, those circles finds the person that they really like to hang out with, you know, and I know for all of these people, because I've spoken to all of them, that having this group, having this community is so critical for, for their happiness, their mental health, you know?
0: Exactly. And it has been for, for me as well. So let's look at, um, Another area where people do some identity reclaiming and that's some, um, you know, going for your dreams and aspirations after you, you know, get out of a breakup. I know that, um, I'm a professor and I'll often have students who will quote, go back to college after a divorce or a breakup of sorts and saying, I'm going to finally go get my degree. Some of them need to because they need the, they need the credential to go get mm-hmm. the kind of job that they, they need in order to sustain. But a lot of them say, I never finished this or oh, I deferred to my, my husband or wife or my partner's, you know, dreams. And now here I am pursuing mine, going back to school is a big one. But I also know that sometimes it's people pursuing a job or a career that they quote always wanted to do. Like in my case, after one of my breakups, I started, um, applying for, uh, professor jobs and, um, I had a whole bunch of circumstances sort of led to that. But, you know, really this idea was that I had some flexibility in where I could work and what I could do. And, I pursued a professor job and it was, um, I started applying shortly after my breakup and, and then I took a a temporary job to kind of launch pad. And then within a year I had the job that I have now, which is, you know, a a full-time professor gig, which I wanted to do. I mean, since I was like five years old, I've wanted to be a college professor, even though I didn't even know what college was. And so I was able to just pursue that. And it wasn't that my partner at the time was holding me back. It was just that there were other things that I was doing,
1: right?
0: And circumstances, right? If mm-hmm.
1: you're, so I just signed up for an improv class. It starts in January. This has been a dream of mine since I was a kid. And, you know, I went to acting class, acting 101 in college, and I didn't even get in the building. I ran away and I dropped the class. I withdrew. I was just, believe it or not, I used to be a very shy person. And I was like, I can't do it. And now I was like, you know what? I've got the time. I've got the, you know, guts to do it. And why? why can't I pursue that dream of acting? I can. So I'm going to do it.
0: You know, and again, not just acting Tracy, you're an actor, you know, that's the identity piece of it is right. You're an actor and you're going to go to this improv class and you're going to hone your skills. Oh my God. That
1: is such a good way to look at it. Right. Yeah. It's not just a hobby this, or, I mean, even if it is a hobby, it's something I'm doing. You know,
0: it's becoming the essence of who you are, or maybe it's always been, but it's now you're giving it the time and space that you want to give it again. This is, you know, healing is about, you know, action, right. And activities, but healing is also about identity. It's, it's understanding who you are and who you want to be and how you change over time. And I, I heard this great, I was listening to this great audio book, uh, and just yesterday. And someone said that if, if you're told like you've changed, that the best response is to say, thank you,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. because we do, we change not just our own activities, but we change our identity over time. And, and, you know, particularly, you know, one of the biggest ways in in which we hold our identity is through our names and name changes, you know, Tracy, you want to share a little bit about that?
1: Well, I've never changed a name because I love my name, Tracy A Wood, but I know, you know, I think this is especially common in the straight community, maybe not as common in the gay community, but, you know, for a person to change their last name, usually the woman and they have to decide, you know, I've been a family law attorney and I, I also do these mediations where we discuss that. Do you want to change your name back? And what does that mean? And it means something different for people who have children and for people who don't have children. And so, you know, our next guest is going to talk about that. Like what, what does that mean to make a name change. And I think it is really important. I think we could have a whole season on that. Um, Is your name tied to your identity? So I think when we listen to Monica's story, that will be really helpful in understanding that. So Corey, I'm totally excited to have my friend Monica on today. Um, We've actually never met in person. Um, This is a really interesting story. And, um, Monica, I just wanted to say welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being on here with us.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to get this opportunity to finally speak to you in person. We've known each other for, I guess, 10 years now. So it's pretty exciting yeah. that we're here today. Well, and
1: we're here in our season about healing. And you've been um, like an incredible player in my journey of healing as a person, not just you know, in the last couple of years, but in my life. So um, my mother was adopted at birth and we had no information about her birth family growing up. And in 2003, when the internet was first invented, I put one line on the internet saying, looking for the family of Jacqueline Marie Wadsworth. And I believe you came along in 2013 doing a genealogy project for your then boyfriend, whose mother is my mother's older biological sister. And I, I don't want to cry on the podcast or anything, but it's been profoundly healing for me to be able to meet my cousins. I actually haven't met them in person yet, but we're Facebook friends and they're incredible people. And they've been very loving and warm to me. And um, through that, we've met other cousins and aunts and things, people that I had no idea growing up that were at all in my life. And so I owe you a huge debt of gratitude for that.
2: Oh, thank you. And you will meet them. I'm sure they are amazing people, so you 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 have to meet them someday they're just yeah the most incredible people. But the thing that's interesting is I was kind of in my own healing journey myself during that period. It was actually in mm. two thousand and twelve, so it would be ten years this year. Um, mm. I lost my mother in May of two thousand and twelve, and I had had my own challenging relationship with my own mother. And when she died, I think I was just looking for some way to connect with her. And there was a lot of secrets and untold stories. And so part of that path was to look into her genealogy on her mother's side, because not much was known. And in doing that, um, I started researching Terry's family because his mother had been adopted. And at the time, I'm just thinking, you know, I might just figure out what happened to his grandfather where he ended up you know maybe he ended up in Ohio Ohio or something you know mm-hmm. but what I found was your post so mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to find um, missing family members so that was kind of the yeah and it surprise. was amazing
1: <laughs> yeah and amazing that I still had the same email address which by the way everybody I still have now and it's uh, another 10 years and I'm still with Yahoo because I love Yahoo. Um, so now we're having you on because we're going to talk about another healing journey and you're healing from a relationship.
2: What, what kind of relationship is that? Well, part of what I've been healing from lately is just kind of just figuring out who I am and Part of that has been reclaiming my name, and I was divorced 15 years ago. And so, after I got divorced, to keep a connection with my kid, I decided to keep my married name, which was Watson at the time. And so, most people have known me as that last name. But you know, as time gone has gone on, um, I've healed. I feel like I'm a very different person. I tried using my maiden name for a while, Monica Gifford. So a lot of people knew me by that name, but that didn't feel quite right either. That felt like a younger version of myself that had died a long time ago. So, um, the name that I came back to was a name that my grandmother had given me, uh, my Cherokee grandmother. When each grandchild was born. Part of the tradition was for her to give them a Cherokee name. And mm. both of my grandmothers were crucial in in my upbringing. And so um, I decided to, to name myself my grandmother's name, which uh, had the one that she had given me, which was Walela, which means hummingbird. Mm. So um, me adopting that name was part of my healing and and it also tied into my grandmother's story. Um, she was Cherokee and she went to the boarding schools and wasn't allowed to speak her language and and so reclaiming the name was part of the healing that I think needed in my family um, so that's that's kind of a little bit about the story about my name.
1: Alright, we'll get more into it. I know Corey's got a question for you.
0: And yeah, Monica, this is so fascinating. I really appreciate you sharing this. I'm wondering, you know, a little bit about what was it that made you just. You, you talked about how your your maiden name was more of your younger self, and then your married name was your married self. But you know, a lot a lot of people don't think about creating kind of this third identity, the identity who they emerge into after their childhood, after maybe a segment of their life, and they either go back to one or the other. And you know, wh- what kind of a like liberating you know experience it is, you know, to say I'm I'm going to you know kind of claim my name. So what was like was there a moment that you just said like I aha this is what I I want to do. And then, aha, I want to really look to my grandmother, the name that she gave me, and this is uh, this is what I want. Like, was there a moment or was this sort of building over time and you had been considering it?
2: I've been considering it, I think, since I was first divorced and never really settled on anything and nothing felt quite right. And part of my healing has been in studying some of my um, ancestry and some of that Cherokee lineage and... In doing so, I learned that it was it was common for indigenous culture to for someone to have many names throughout their lifetime because hmm. the name would change as a person grew because who stays the same from birth to you know hmm. until the time that you you die so it just made sense to me that you know instead of going back to a maiden name or a former self that I didn't really feel like related to anymore. I've grown so much from that person. So it made sense to me to adopt a new name for myself. And um, the new me that I identify with has come through healing. Um, I think the the matriarchs of the, the family and the Cherokee lineage, which was from that, uh type family system so that has been very healing for me just reconnecting with that
1: and Monica when we were talking so I knew you as Monica Gifford and then one day on Facebook there was this new lady Monica well, Layla, and I'm like is that the same person what's going on here <laughs> and I messaged, messaged you and I'm like whoa <laughs> did you have a last name change what's going on and you told me that like this had been a long time in coming, but there was also this, uh, public thing about, you know, coming out with this name, a sort of coming out, right? Like you had a fear that people were going to judge you for either choosing, was it because you were choosing a non-traditional name? Was it because you were choosing an indigenous name? Or was it just that you were, you were going back to a different name? What, what was that
2: about? I think just, you know, just, uh... In creating my own name, maybe people might think it's a little silly or laugh at it, or, or, you know, just things that don't really matter. Just, just kind of overthinking it. But in the end, it, I felt very strongly that that it was something that I had to do for myself. But I knew people and would and, and and maybe be confused or not understand mm-hmm. it, but I, I knew it was something I had to do.
1: And did you get to the point where you're like? I, don't, I mean, I'll explain it, right? Because you very nicely explained it to me. And clearly you you probably were cutting and pasting that to a bunch of people because I'm sure you've got a bunch of questions. But did you get to the point where you're like, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Like, this is for me. This is something I have to do for me as a
2: person. Yes, it, it's really taking me all these years up until just this year. And I've gone through so much these last three years <laughs> that, you know, I was just, like you know, what it's this is my time. You know, I'm I'm going to be 49 soon, approaching 50. So I'm just like you know, I mean, this this is the last end of the road. You know, for me, get one mm. last shot to to do things right and and find meaning and purpose in life. So, isn't um, that
1: incredible? My therapist and I can't use this term on our podcast because we'd have to label it as explicit. But it's basically the F word, um, F it fifties. It's like, you're at a point where you're like, I don't have any Fs left to give. Like, I don't care what other people think because I have to live my life. And if this is part of my identity and having a name that every time I see makes me feel comfortable instead of uncomfortable. I mean, I think that's huge, right? Exactly. Yes. And, and it's,
2: I think a lot of people are finding themselves, uh, even the younger generations, there's there's more people changing their names to names that are more appropriate. And I know some people still don't understand that maybe, but I think people are, are really trying to, to, we're at a time where people are just really trying to be, they want to be who they are and they're tired of having to hide behind you know what, Accepted or, or what doesn't make waves? So, and what's given to them?
1: Uh, the one thing I want to follow up on, uh, is you said in the Cherokee, um, tradition, people would get multiple, you know, or, you know, they choose a name for different periods of time of their life or somebody would choose that for them. Is that just like a first name, last name? Like, would they keep part of that name or would it be like, you know, now I'm this person and so that's, you know, the full name?
2: I'm not really sure myself. I mean, I I was kind of lost from the traditions myself because, like I said, my grandmother went to boarding school. She was punished for speaking her language. She was punished for, you know, her any of, of the old cultural ideals or, you know, stories. You know, that wasn't accepted. So that was kind of lost. So I've just been trying to reconnect with that myself and and part of the healing in my family too is has been alcoholism um something that my dad suffered from and i think part of that was just healing that that wound that those generational lines that um from trying to keep things in and the shame that that kind of manifest in those kinds of diseases and illnesses that plague these communities even today, so um, that's really what I'm about and and what this was for me is just getting things out in the open, airing things out mm. that are scary, and not running away from truths that are mm. that are ugly and painful to see that's
0: so beautiful. Well, yeah, and I and I think as you're talking about how, you know, this is this, you know, change of your name was just such a profound kind of event in your life that's really kind of, you know, get you to kind of connect with who you are today. You know, what, you know, for our listeners who are who are really trying to think about ways to go about healing. Um, what was it about the name change specifically that you felt was such a contributing factor to your, your healing process, you know, particularly as as you mentioned, you had been divorced. And so that name was no longer associated with the marriage that you were in, you know, what was it about the name change specifically that you felt was so profound in your healing?
2: I think it,
0: it felt like I was finally getting
2: to be myself, um, Part of the name change, the struggle was uh with Walela was do I just call myself hummingbird? Do I just name myself mm. hummingbird? That that will be easier for people because Walela will sound foreign. I've already had numerous people ask me if it's Hawaiian. But mm. um but it it it's a conversation and people ask, what is the name? And when they say Walela, they're speaking Cherokee. So for me, that was very healing. Every time I hear my name, when someone says my name, I hear my grandmother's language. And to me, that's one of the most beautiful things to come of all of this. So,
1: And isn't that incredible, though, like you said, that people, and I'm assuming we mean like middle, you know, people that haven't traveled a lot or whatever, they're Or they are well-traveled, like me, and I love to know, like, ethnic origins, get to know people's culture. So I might say, what does that Walayla mean? And then it allows you to actually talk about it and to talk about the Cherokee culture, right? I mean, I suppose there was a time in your life where maybe being Cherokee was considered by other people not to be a good thing. I mean, I think it's a fabulous thing, right? Like, does that factor in? Yes, even
2: growing up, I remember when I got to the age of dating, one of my a good friend of mine told me that her dad had told her she couldn't date this guy that was Native American. And her dad said, you can be friends with them, but you can't date them. And it was that moment that I realized that there was like this real difference. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel for my dad and Mm -hmm. maybe understand like the pain that he maybe went through. And maybe the sense of maybe shame or just unresolved grief. And so it really helped me to understand, I think. Well, and I personally,
1: yeah. And I think the name hummingbird, it really suits your process now, right? You're opening yourself up, you're taking off and you're doing the things. I mean, those are happy little birds, you know, like, I mean, yeah, we think they're happy. <laughs> I look at them. They make me happy. They seem happy. It's like this beautiful process of opening up and taking flight, you
0: know? Yes. Yes. So, Monica, I do have a question for you, though. I mean, it's kind of, you know, you come through this journey. Would you ever consider getting married again? And, and if so, would you ever change your name again if you met somebody and married them? I... I don't see myself changing my
2: name again, but I'll, you know, and, and as far as marriage, I'll never say never, because then the moment I do, the universe is hiring me. Sure, sure. But, um, yeah, I'm, maybe I would like to have a partner at some point for sure, but I've been happily single the last year or so and just kind of, Um, enjoying where I'm at and I have a few projects that I've kind of of trying to get off the ground and so my focus has just kind of been that but but I would definitely be open to to someone in my life again well and we're going to have a whole season
1: about this you're having a relationship with yourself and and interestingly yours that my timing coincides right I've spent the last year with it wasn't my doing. I didn't ask to be alone. I didn't ask for these things to happen, but they happened. And I had to find a way through it. And to find my way through it, I had to find love for myself, you know, and I don't have that, that incredible background or that lineage. And as you know, I didn't even know who my family was, or what, you know, origin they were. But, you know, finding that to know that my cousins are also writers to know that there are there's a woman who looks just like my mother. And, just, you know, one last thing, like growing up, I always felt like there was a woman out there who looked just like my mother, you know, same gray hair, blue eyes and played a classical instrument. And, you know, there she was. And my mother, you know, it was like a carbon copy of my mother. So just again, thank you. You have given me and my family so much, you know, and me in particular, it's meant the the world to me. And, you know, in your healing journey, you've helped to heal others you know,
0: and Uh, you can't, well,
1: thank you. You can't discount that, you know, the impact that that's had.
2: Yes. I mean, you've equally helped me too. I feel like we've kind of mirrored each other in our journey and, and you've been very vocal about where you're at the last year and, and that's been very inspiring too. So thank you for that and for giving me an opportunity today to, to share part of my journey.
1: Yeah. And Corey, Corey and my journey is a journey together for the last year also, which, you know, part of our healing process from our things that have happened to us has been this podcast, you know,
0: right, Corey? Absolutely. And, you know, it's all part of the healing and we find healing in so many ways. And Monica, I really, really appreciate you sharing your your story with us and with our listeners. And, you know, again, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you,
1: Monica, Valela. (laughs) Thank
0: you
2: guys so much.
0: All right, folks, we've had a really, really great episode today. Tracy and I got to kick it off talking about a little bit around identity and reclaiming that identity, whether it's through habits or hobbies, or maybe it's clothing and appearance, dreams, aspirations, and finding community, but really thinking about not just what are you doing to heal from a breakup, but who are you and who do you want to be? And then we, you know, had the wonderful opportunity to hear from Monica who talked about her story and changing her name after a divorce and how that has been so profound in her healing process. So for those of you who are going through this right now, you know, think to yourself, who is it that you are? Who is it that you want to be? And go out there and make that happen. And until we talk again to our next episode, go out there and rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.